Well, hi, this is Richard Reilly, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. <laughs> Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is an accomplished actor. And when I say accomplished, I mean like over 400 credits on IMDb. Get you exhausted, you know, trying to scroll down the list, exhausted, accomplished actor. So you've seen our guest today in movies like Joe Dirt, Office Space. You've probably seen him on several variations of Star Trek, including Voyager and Next Generation. You may have even heard him doing some voice work on The Legend of Korra. Without a doubt, I am pleased and honored to welcome Richard Reilly to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thank you. It's great to be here. Tim's excited. I'm giddy. Let's just... Let's do this. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to contain the giggling. That's right. You've been in some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, is, as I scroll down, one of the biggest things, and, and Kathleen and I talk about this often with guests, one of the coolest things for us is to go through when we, when we book somebody... And we and there's the excitement of, oh, man, we're going to talk to this person because I reached out to you because I had a memory of you for one thing in, in okay. particular. And, you know, it's always fun for us after we get over the excitement of, holy cow, he's going to do the show. Oh, my God. And we start going through the, the list of everything you've been on. We start going, oh, I didn't know that you were in that. I, oh, I didn't know he was in that, too. Holy cow. Did you know he was in this? And then we're, <laughs> we're shooting messages back and forth to each other in excitement. <laughs> Of all the things that you've done. So my first recollection of you and why originally I had reached out is because I'm a big fan of the movie Office Space. Oh, yes. And I honestly, I love your character, Tom Simkowski. Just, <laughs> I'm a people person. That whole thing kills me. I just <laughs> absolutely, absolutely love that. Having worked in an office in a cubicle, that spoke to me on more levels than I would like to admit. Well, um, Mike, Mike too. That he he wrote what he knew. Yeah, well, that uh, was what, yeah, his job after college. Yeah, it's very obvious that somebody who worked in an office setting, you know, was hitting the keys on on that story. I recognized you first from that, and it made me wonder as I was going through your list and I was seeing all these other things that you have been a part of in the recording and 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 you know arts industry for these so long. Is that the piece of your work that people recognize you the most for? Or is there something else when you're walking on the street or you're at a restaurant or something and people go, oh, my God, it's the guy from the thing. And they point at you. <laughs> well, I, when I was uh, I, right after um, uh, Grounded for Life, the series that I did, mm -hmm. I was in New York doing a play and uh, and I would notice that people were, you know, yammering around me most of them didn't you know stop me but they you know I, and so i would listen carefully and i did a sort of a non-scientific survey for about a week and it, about 50 to 60 percent were office space about another 20 percent were grounded for life and um and then it became very strange uh, it would be about about 10 percent would be whatever was on cheap cable that that week <laughs> 
And then uh, another 10% were people saying, oh, that's the guy that runs the bodego that we go to all the time. Or that was, that was my uh, sixth grade teacher or something like that. But yeah, office space seems to be the one that, that most people gravitate to. And what's interesting is people are still, even looking like I do now, people were still recognizing from office space. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I, that movie has, has hit cult classic level where it's it's recognized by so many and it's appreciated by so many not only because it's of the writing but the acting of everybody that was in the movie and then i think some people get a kick out of it just because they realize who wrote it and directed it and they're like oh yeah the beavis and butthead guy and it's a completely different thing than he than what they expected and i think that draws them in well, a number of people that, uh, especially people that had had done voices in Beavis and Butthead, um, gave him grief the first week of shooting. You know, saying we are not cartoons. You know, you you got to you got to treat us <laughs> like real people. But he, that was not the case at all. He he totally realized that, and in fact, that's why he he did his character on the first day. So we all had a sense of what he was going for in term in terms of tone and style in the film. He took a long time uh, casting it too. He, um, I went in three times. The first time I went in for the psychiatrist and for Tom, and then he said, "Okay, we'll forget about the psychiatrist. Let's, you know, let's." Re-. So I read Tom two more times, and then he contacted the people when he finally casted uh, and said, "Look, we're going to go to Austin. It's my hometown." Uh, there aren't going to be a lot of suits looking over our shoulder. We'll work hard, but I'll take you to all the best places to eat and all the um, clubs where my band used to play, and we'll have a great time. And we did. We were there for 29 days, and we all stayed together in the in the same uh, hotel, and uh, and we were together all the time. It was it was amazing, and, and we had a we had a great time. Couldn't have been a better experience. I'm sure. And it just and you know, I think sometimes when when you know, a cast has an experience like that. I really do believe it, it comes across in the final product. And you can really tell that the cast enjoyed making that movie. It's just, oh, yeah. it's, it's in the, the whole sense of the movie and how it's put together and, and, and how everybody comes across on screen. You know, sometimes you can tell when, when people are just there for the paycheck. And then sometimes when they, you know, when they are really there because they're enjoying what they're doing in the moment. And I really got the sense of that watching that movie. And I've always appreciated that movie. And that was one of the reasons why. Well, and enjoying the people that you're with. I mean, enjoying spending all that time together. I mean, it's not like you you do a scene and go and everybody would go off. You do a scene and everybody would sit around and, 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 you know, talk about the next, you know, whatever they felt like. It was was really terrific. (laughs) And uh, what you're saying about being a a cult classic, um, uh, I think it was the 10th anniversary of, of, uh, of Office Space. Um, uh, Entertainment Weekly did a did a uh, an issue on on uh, cult movies mm-hmm. and the 50, 50 best cult movies and you know so I yeah, I just picked and and they didn't give anything away on the cover so I was looking through fifties forties thirties twenties let's got to be in the top ten someplace went through the top ten never mentioned I said this is ridiculous turned the page and they said and then a class by itself office <laughs> space there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, so, that's recognition well-deserved. That is, yeah. definitely. And I, th- I think it's funny, too, going from, you were saying that the majority of people recognize you from office space, and then after that, it's grounded for life, which is where I come in with the, oh. it's Grandpa Finnerty! Because <laughs> I love that show. I still watch that show. Like, I, oh, right. 
I've watched the whole the whole series through multiple times. You, I love your character in that show. He is so much fun. I think he's the grandpa that everybody kind of wanted. Like <laughs> the the no nonsense, but also still fun. Like I loved yeah. that balance in your character. And you were in about half of the episodes of that series. Right. They 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 they, they changed it about halfway through. Um, uh, when when we did the when we first started they, we first started it it was um it was shot uh th- three days of single camera on whatever locations you know they wanted and then they and then uh when they, when they first approached uh, donald and kevin they said look we're going to be doing little independent films half hour films every week and that was the idea and then they um uh, and, and then before they before they shot the first episode, they were told they needed to do uh, at least a certain amount of it in front of a live audience. That was that was part of the the Carson Warner thing, which was great because it was it was that kind of, it had that kind of energy, and mm-hmm. a live audience always does help. And so and so we um, so it became three days of, of of single camera and two days of of in front of a live audience. Um, the problem was is that it was it was like doing two episodes every week instead of one and people were just getting exhausted. Right. So the, so the second, second year they said, okay, we're only going to do two days of, of single camera. And, and then we're going to do a, a three day run on a, a live audience show. And, and that worked, you know, that worked a little bit better. Um, but then they, there was a question whether Fox was going to keep the show or not for the third season. And, um, and so they, what they did was they, uh, they said, okay, we've got to find a, a, a work location for um, uh, for for Kevin and Donalds and 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 Megan's characters mm-hmm. that we can take them home and work home and work. And uh, that sort of uh, uh, meant that the, that Grandpa wasn't as as necessary. Which is sad. Um, well, they and they and the, the thing was is that they they. Um, Halfway through, they started shooting that way, and halfway through, uh, Fox said, "Okay, I think we aren't going to do this anymore." And WB wanted it really bad, mm-hmm. so they said, "Oh, we'll take it." But Fox then said, "Oh, you can have it, but you can't use any of the episodes that we've shot so far this year." So, so the, suddenly they were, they were we were shooting madly, trying to trying to get enough enough to do a uh, to show on the WB, and then mm-hmm. and then the final season it was. Um, it was all pedestal cameras and, you know, and it became, it became just this, it became a regular sitcom again. And yeah. I think, I think that's where it, it, it began losing some of its audience. Which, which is sad because it was a lot of fun. It was a fun show. It was great fun. And, and hilarious. The thing was just that, is that the, the writing when it was, when it was, when they said we're doing little independent films uh, every week mm-hmm. was really uh, incredible. And then, and then they said when they did the, the first hybrid, they, it was still really, really good. But then when they, when they began, when they said, okay, we're doing this, we're going to have them buy a bar. And somebody said, well, the kids can't be in the bar. <laughs> you know, and right. there, you know, there, there were a lot of questions about it. And some of the writers then moved on to other things and, it, and it just, it, it just slowly, I don't know. It, it it was still the energy and the excitement was always there. Mm-hmm. I always look forward to the episodes that I I got a chance to do. I mean, I was very excited when they said, "Yeah, we're going to keep you on as a recurring character," uh, because I really wanted to see those guys every week or as much as I could. But um, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It just uh, and what was re- what was really strange was that um, everybody went on and did other other things, and um, and they could easily have stayed stayed together and been you know a slightly different story of. Right. of uh, I actually one of the things that I liked the most about it was that it was it was such a realistic family. It wasn't your typical traditional sitcom family. It exactly. was it was your your troubled teenage daughter and your bought heads of younger brothers but then you had the the weird uncle and the grandpa and you had you had that real family dynamic which i i enjoyed watching because <laughs> it was it made more sense to me than the the traditional two kids mom works from home or mom's at home that traditional family that cookie cutter family this family made more sense yeah <laughs> but you you said that you liked being brought on as a recurring character because you enjoyed seeing the 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 other cast so with that longer recurring role do you get that sense of family especially when you're cast as a family well yes i mean as a family you certainly you certainly do you know and and we had we had two years uh, of you know of being together every episode as as a fa- as a family so mm-hmm. there was so there was that excitement and and they would and they would bring people on i mean they that it would the, the it was always the who was going to be the, this year's boyfriend for uh for Lily and mm-hmm. and they were great great young actors and it was fun working with them as well that's so cool I need yeah, to go watch cool. the show again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been a little bit since I've seen that that show but I do remember uh, that's where I was introduced to Donald uh, and I always thought he was a really good actor from that point moving on and then when he came to Gotham I was like, I was very excited because I remembered him from that show and went, oh, man, oh, that's, wow. again, that's, you know, probably the reaction you get when people see you from Office Space. It's that one guy from that one show. And I got to go look up the name of that show, <laughs> but I really liked him. And it was the one with the family and the kids. And... <laughs> well, that, that's my problem, too. Unfortunately, sometimes I have to look up the name of the shows because they keep changing them on me. <laughs> I get that. Excellent. <laughs> Well, Richard, one of the things that we love uh, doing when we talk to our guests is we love we love stories and we love backgrounds and learning about the backgrounds of the people that we're interviewing. And it's not so much for us, you know, you know, we could sit and talk about the shows that you've been on all day and and, you know, we could ask scene by scene cut downs and all these other things. But we try not to ask those questions. But what we like to what we like to find out about is kind of, you know, the background of the story of, of our guests, where they come from, what they've done, and, and what kind of got them into where they're at and why they do it. So in your case, what were the influences of you or on you as a young man that made you want to become an actor and reach out for the arts? None. It's a very roundabout <laughs> story. I, I mean, I... Um, Interesting. Okay. I, I was jock uh, uh, all through high school. Um I wanted to go, I wanted to go to Notre Dame to play football, which obviously I I wouldn't uh, wouldn't make. Uh, although I, I did do the uh, the knock your head against the wall uh, ninety five uh, freshman trying out for the freshman team, and um, you know and that was that was just interesting. Um, but uh, and then I and then I um uh, I I switched I, I came went in as a as an engineering major. And immediately flunked organic chemistry and got a, a D in calculus. I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but it seemed like everybody was in engineering then. And mm-hmm. um, so then, uh, but I was taking a five-credit German course, 
and uh, as part of the engineering uh, program and was acing it. And, uh, and the head of the department was, was teaching the course. He said, are you in our sophomore year abroad program? We've got a program in Innsbruck, Austria. I said, no, but I could be. He said, well, you're a German major, aren't you? I said, uh, I sure, why not? And so I became a German major and spent uh, a year and a half uh, uh, in uh, Salzburg, Innsbruck, uh, worked on a, on a small farm in Breitenfeld during uh, the, uh, the summer, and, um, and then traveled all around Europe. I had, would never have had that experience otherwise. I mean, I came from a small town in Wisconsin. Sure. Where you know the, the, the biggest thing was uh, was getting together uh, for to uh, to work the harvest uh, you know with with uh, whoever had the closest farm and sure. um, uh, and so and so I, I came back from that and uh, realized that uh, you know I, I being a German major was not going to do me any good so uh, I became an English major which was which was all right I mean it just it was just a lot of reading and I like to read but. Um, I wasn't kind of getting excited about it in any way. And here I was mm -hmm. a junior in college. I figured I should, you know, something should be grabbing me. And um, there was a, a, a great books class that we all had to take. And, and for some bizarre reason, one of the, one of the books was, uh, was the film uh, uh, Marat Saad. They had everybody go see the Vilmar inside. And so I came into this, we came into the seminar and um, the guy who was running the seminar was late. And so everybody's kind of, you know, bullshitting around waiting for the show up. And so I got up on his desk and said, well, why don't we have a revolution? And, uh, and so we did. And, uh, and he came in and he, he, he sort of made us keep going. <laughs> and, but that was the first kind of real experience I had doing you know, doing theater of any kind. Okay. And um, one of the guys I had, I had gone to Innsbruck with was uh, was in the theater department, and he said he said, well, you, you know, you ought to you ought to come out for a tryout for the play. So I did, and it was a musical, and and I guess I sang good enough to get in, in the chorus. So um, uh, and I I thought this was fun, and you know, Notre Dame at that time was all male school, mm -hmm. and they would. They were bringing in uh, girls from uh, St. Mary's College and et cetera to play, you know, to play and doing the place. And so that was exciting in and of itself. And um, so I, so I did that and, and, uh, and then I graduated and uh, with a degree in speech and drama, which I knew would do me no good whatsoever. So I went back to Wisconsin and was, uh, I graduated in January because I couldn't afford another full year of school. And um, I started unloading railroad ties, which had been my summer job. But unloading railroad ties in Wisconsin in the winter is a whole, a whole different story. That sounds and, awful. Yeah, you, you got to take a pickaxe each tie and and uh, you know break them apart. It was it. And no, so you. I was looking in the papers. You look for an indoor job, and um, there was a uh, they were looking for a stage management intern at the Milwaukee Rep. So I went down. I went down there and I applied. And they said, "Well, uh, this job is is um, uh, is really not available. So we're just, you know, trying to. But we do need somebody that can. Uh, we're doing this big project right now. Would you be interested in working on that? Is it indoors?" I, they said, "Yes." I said, "Fine." And um, <laughs> I was able to pick up because I was, 
uh, working backstage, I got to know the Yahtzee guys, and I was able to pick up some um, uh, odd jobs, uh, loading and unloading trucks coming in from the, the big house where they, where they brought in touring shows. And I remember we, uh, we had built this machine, this contraption, Rube Goldberg contraption for this play, The Prince of Pennsylvania, that they had hired me on for. Mm-hmm. And then they had cut the scene. And we and it was a huge contraption. They wanted to get rid of it. So they said, see if you can get it on one of these trucks. And so it took three tries, but I eventually got it on a, on one of the truck stuff from Fiddler. And the next stop was uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. I don't know how far it went beyond that, but uh, they unloaded up this, this machine at Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh and um, the um, uh, the guys that ran the theater department in Notre Dame uh, felt bad that I just sort of left in the middle of the year without any, you know, and and so one of them had just graduated from University of Minnesota, and he um, and he got me in there on a, on a on a on a work uh, study fellowship uh, working in the in the scene shop. So I was I was doing that and having a great time and. Uh, and they needed somebody for this play that uh, one of the graduate students had written. And it was called Bang, Bang, You're Dead. And it was sort of a version of, um, of uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. It was about okay. a, it was about a, 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 a alcoholic DI from the Korean War who was uh, in, in this uh, hospital, uh, VA hospital in Great Lakes, and was uh, being, uh, it was trying to, a, make his life more comfortable there uh, and by doing so is making things rougher for everybody else and this and the head nurse who was who was was trying to keep him in line and um, and so uh, and the difference was that at, at the end he gets killed the head nurse as opposed as opposed to getting a lobotomy uh, okay. and uh, so uh I did that play and somebody said, are, are you in the acting department? And I said, no, I'm, I work for the scene show. They said, well, why don't you, you should try out for, for the plays here. And suddenly I was doing all these plays at the University of Minnesota and it was great. And then they, they put me up for a McKnight Fellowship at the Guthrie and I, I did some work at the Guthrie. And then, they, and then uh, the guy who was my uh, faculty advisor worked uh, half the year at the Meadowbrook Theater in Michigan. And... Uh, and said, "Why don't you come come here? And I'll, yeah, I'm sure there's we we can put a season together for you there." And you know, I was suddenly I was doing this stuff that was totally unexpected, and and I thought, "Well, this is crazy, but you know, I'll keep doing it until somebody tells me, you know, okay, move on, you know, you don't sure. belong here." And uh, and so far, I haven't got that notice. So <laughs> still waiting, huh? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's so I got into this business. That's awesome, that, though. That's interesting. That's really cool. Um, I love roundabout roundabout answers. That's really cool. So I, I have to ask you one part about this because I'm going to beat Kathleen to it because she's the musical person here. I'm I am not. I don't like musicals, uh, <laughs> but she, however, adores them. So, what musical were you a part of, and what song did you sing that that's kickstarted this whole thing? Well, I don't even, I don't remember what song I sang and the, the, the musical, the musical was, and I'm going to forget, I'm going to forget the title. It's uh, how to succeed in business without really trying. Ooh, that's a good one. It is a good one. I ended up, I ended up playing one of the executives. Mm-hmm. So I got, I got, the, I got the saying that I believe in you and, you know, 
and, and there's a lot of good numbers of fellowship of man and you know, fellowship of man is a great song that is it's a great number yeah, yeah. I, I will take your word for it yeah. just listen to that one tim it'll be okay it's not going to kill you to listen to songs from musicals well, you don't know that you can't prove it so <laughs> he is so anti-musical it's not even funny it's it's ridiculous a little bit I've gotten I him to watch them, one and, musical. And it was scary every time they made me, uh, you know, every time I auditioned for them. Um, I've only probably done six or seven musicals, uh, mainly because I, you know, they, it, it's it's the singing part that, you know, it's it's the singing part of the audition that always screws me up. Oh, yeah. It's it's nerve-wracking yeah. when you're suddenly put on the spot and you're supposed to sing. And it's the, I know I know how to do this, but now you're watching me and now I'm suddenly incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> the, the, I was doing um, Guys and Dolls at uh, as part of the Encore series at City Center in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman who was directing it uh, was going to direct Kiss Me Kate and um, uh, also in New York. And, and she's... And, she said, well, you should, you should come in audition for one of the gangsters in Kiss Me Cake. Yeah. And I said, okay. And, I, and they said, they said, do you have any music? And I said, no, well, just sing, sing, you know, something from Guys and Dolls. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and that was, it was terrible. And she was sitting, you know, she was sitting right there, you know, and, and, and you know, smiling and nodding. And I was going, this is terrible. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Let me go home. <laughs> oh. I agree. Musical auditions are the worst. I I grew up in a musical family. My grandma was an opera singer. My parents met doing community theater. I was in choir. I was in a stage production in high school. And the musical part of any interview is always the worst. Always. I don't know why. It just is. It's like, I know everything else. I've memorized all of these lines. I know the entire song, but then suddenly, hey, we need you to sing the song. And it's the, I, what? Well, I know, and even, you know, and accompanists are great. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're incredible and they're terrific how they do it. But they start and and they may be just a slightly faster tempo or slower tempo than than you've been, you know, practicing. Mm-hmm. You know, every, everything, and that it, everything is there to throw you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Tim and I actually host another podcast together as well, along with another one of our friends. His name is Nick. Uh, it's the funny science fiction podcast. And recently we talked to Francois Chow, who appeared in the cutscenes for the video game Wing Commander 4 with Mark. Oh Hannah, my gosh. As you did as well. <laughs> yeah. So just like we asked Francois on the other show, do you have any fond memories of playing chief technician Robert Pliers Sykes? And do any of those involve an onset lightsaber duel with Mark Hamill? <laughs> um, no, I did not have a saber duel. It, um, it, it was a great experience, and it was it was it totally foreign, which is is always exciting. You go into something, you have no idea what it's going to be like. Um, the sets were we worked on half sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would build the half of the set, and the other half would be a green screen, and um, and and so you never knew where you were going to be, who you're going to be talking to, where you're going to be looking. And then, and then everything shifted. I mean, you do these sort of short scenes and then you do the, uh, you know, an option, option, uh, the A and the B versions. And then they decided that pliers should be an icon. And so I spent one day just 
just doing, you know, uh, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, to a, to a, as a, a camera roll by. Mark was great, right? We had, he was so, so terrific. And the scenes I had with him were, were amazing. Um, I, but it was the middle of the OJ trial and he was totally a, a fanatic about it. And so he would, he would literally from, if when they said, okay, it's going to be half an hour, he'd run back to his dressing room to watch it live, even though he was taping it at home and was going to watch the whole thing later that night. The other thing was, I found this out later, is that, um, oh, and I can't think of it, I can't think of his name. The guy that, the guy that plays his, his, uh, his sidekick, the other, the other uh, wing commander, the other fighter pilot, doesn't matter. The, the point was, is that the, the players, for some reason, didn't like him. And mm. so once they worked their way through the game, they would, they would go back and sabotage him so that he <laughs> got killed early, earlier on. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I, I understand that feeling, though, with, with characters in video games where you just don't like them. <laughs> I've been there. Well, yeah, if you can, if there's ways to work around it, I've never really thought about sabotaging one to kill them, but I have worked my way around it so I, I didn't have to deal with a certain character as often in, in different games. But I, that, I can't say that I disapprove of that approach. I mean, it gets them out of the game completely. I think it's so, a pretty great option. There's, I, think it's, I think it's funny. <laughs> one of my most frustrating things with one of the games that I enjoy is that you'll have characters who are plot characters. And so you can't get rid of them because you need them for the plot later on. It's like, but this is the most annoying character. <laughs> it's just, I just want them to go away. And you can't. Like, it, it just, it doesn't happen because in one of the potentials of the storyline, you might need them. So right. you can't kill them off. It's like... <laughs> But I know I'm not going to go that way with the story. Why can't I just get rid of her? Right. <laughs> and, and if I remember correctly, uh, when we talked with Francois about this, I, I believe that this is one of the early inceptions of green screen and how it was being used. And so that's it what was kind of made it a little more difficult. Yeah, it was also the first one, the first video game shot on film. And and uh, and so it was. There was a, a lot of there, a lot of first. Lot, they were discovering stuff all the time when when we were shooting, which was kind of exciting too. That's yeah, interesting. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, you know, at the outset, I listed a, a whole handful of movies and TV shows that you had been a part of. Kathleen's talked about a couple of them as well. Uh, and one of the cool things about again about going through your your resume, shall we say, on IMDb, <laughs> is that. Um, you seem to not have a, a type, so to speak. And that's, I think, one of the great things is that you you have roles all kind of all over the place, you know? Yeah, I try, I, I've always tried not to. I mean, I spent 15, 16 years uh, uh, doing regional theater in another, uh, oh, seven or eight in, in, in New York. And um, before I got into film and TV, really, uh, full-time and, um, or more or less full-time, and, and always that was that was the thing you I you know between each I uh, I would try and look and 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 act different in every in every one and then some some uh, times I would be doing rep and so I'd be doing three or four different characters in a season and you know keep mm-hmm. me constantly shifting one to the other so that that's always been part of the excitement is to try on all these different characters. Well, I'd say you nailed it. So, you know, with over the, with all these credits, you've got 
you've had chances at some very memorable characters and there's a lot of with your work that you know that you should be proud of and i hope that you are because we're we've oh, very you. much enjoyed your work uh thus far but i'm wondering with everything that you've done all the characters that you've played do you have you know the the white whale out there so to speak this is the role that i the dream role that i would like to have and at some point i would love to have whether it's a major role or a small role a supporting role whatever it may be is there a role out there for you that that you're still waiting to be able to sink your teeth into the next one uh, <laughs> great answer yeah, okay <laughs> yeah but, but that's that's the thing you get you get uh you know i'm, re- I'm reading this i'm reading a script now um uh, and it's it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful script and and it's uh, it's based on it's based on on this woman's family, uh, you know, of, of immigrants uh, in Oneida, New York, at the turn of the century, and um, and there's a character, a, a smallish character in in it that they they suggested if I read it and like it that they might want to use me for it now. You know, going into it, I knew nothing about it. And now I'm obsessed. Oh, I guess this is the best character. You know, all these opportunities, all these things. Because you get that way. You begin, you know, you start you start working on a character and you see, you find all of these things. And it, make, and it makes makes you really, really want to do it. And so that's the hardest thing when when things get postponed or, or when mm. when they decide to go another way or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, and so so I've been fortunate. I've got a chance to do a lot of things uh, for a while. It was it was to do a, a lead in a, in, in, a, in a play. And and I was I was doing. Uh, the sheriff in in uh, the ransom of Red Chief, a TV movie years ago, and okay. um, and I was having a great time, and I was you know and and I was having lunch with uh, with some of the uh, the crew uh, and and chatting about things, and this one head gaffer was you know was, was saying you know I've got an idea for a, for a movie that I want to do sometime, and I send it to you, I said, yeah please do, and so I uh, you know three or four years later. I get this. I get this call from uh, North Carolina, and he's doing this. He, he's he's fine. He's finished the script, and he's got some time, and he's got some money, and he wants to do it. You know, and so he said, "I want you. I want you to do that role." And you know, and I got to be involved in every part of the of the process, from you know, from beginning to end. Of, uh, you know, and was shooting every day, all day, and it was really exciting. And and so I got you know got that one checked off. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cool. So sort of on the same brainwave as Tim asking, you have a fair amount of experience in the entertainment industry, big screen, small screen, vocal booths, computer screens even. Um, so for the new or aspiring actor who might be inspired by you, what advice would you give them? And what do you know now that you wish you had known when you were starting out? I think the main thing is, is you know, is don't give up. If you have to do it, you know, do it and and keep do whatever it takes to make it happen. Um, the other thing is 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 the old uh, uh, the old improv thing. You know, say yes, say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I find myself doing that. I, 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 there's been maybe maybe a handful of roles or, or uh, opportunities that I've had that I've said I've said no to for whatever reason, you know, um, timing or, or, uh, the project seem, I can't, I can't find what the, what the, uh, purpose of the project is mm-hmm. or something. And, but otherwise it's always, yes, there's something, I know I'm going to find something that excites me about this and I'm going to, and I'm going to pursue it. And on weekends while I was doing this, this, um, 
this this mini series for for Apple. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I did uh, I did two uh, proof of concept. Uh, okay. Uh, you do uh, and 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 the other one was uh, was a, a spec pilot. And you know there we did them for nothing. I mean you know the and and we had to cram them into you know two days of shooting. And uh, but you know it was worth it because there's there was. The, the, the characters were interesting, the ideas were interesting, the people that I got to work with. And, and uh, you know, it's more than willing to, you know, to give up whatever, like, my two days of rest to, you know, to, to do something like that before, you know. And, and that's the thing. I think you have to just keep finding projects that will do it. And if you're a writer, uh, that's the other thing. And, yeah, more and more people are discovering that that's, that's how they can they can get into this business is, is write something for themselves excellent cool. all right so oh, go ahead no that's definitely good advice like especially the say yes to things like people are going to stop asking you if you keep saying no if you want to keep moving you have to keep saying yes yeah I, absolutely i agree i love it all right excellent all right so richard we have one final question for you and we like to call it our silly question so here we go. You can answer this as serious or as silly as you'd like. It's up to you. Okay. So if someone were to come and give you $75,000 to launch a business, what kind of business would you start other than a business for jump to conclusion mats? <laughs> there was a, I, I, I do this horror movie. Uh, I can't remember what it was called now, but um it, 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 they started shooting it right after uh, Office Space came out. And the crew made a jump to conclusion, Matt, about the movie and <laughs> gave it to me. Oh, uh, that's awesome. You know it, but the, the actual jump to conclusion, Matt, has been lost. No one has any idea really? where it is. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, oh. including, including Mike. Oh, I figured that was in Mike Judge's home somewhere. That's what I. I yeah, but evidently it's not. Evidently he, he, he it, hmm. it it disappeared somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. So it's it's one step one step beyond a non fungible token, I guess. <laughs> oh goodness. That's funny. It's probably Lumberg. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Richard. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We have oh, really, pleasure. really enjoyed talking to you. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about your work and what you've got coming? Oh, gosh. Good luck. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not on any social media. I don't and, blame you. you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, so I guess, I guess, you know, IMDb is probably a, a, a good start. Um, right now, uh, there, uh, there, there's a movie called Moon Manor, which... Um, tiny little project that these these uh, these two women had put together and um uh, along with the guy that plays the lead jimmy and um and it's about a guy who's slipping into um dementia and before he loses uh, all ability to, to to know what's going on around him he wants to have a funeral not a funeral but a funeral and with everybody that he knows and, and you know to get together and have a yeah. party and he's and he's um got a death doula that at the end of the party uh, is going is going to take him to the next to the next level oh. the next step and so really it's a lovely piece 
Awesome. I will definitely yeah. be looking out for that one. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, guys, we also want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show continue to grow. So there's that little subscribe button down there. You'll see the little animation pop up for it. So please do that. It helps us be able to get more amazing guests like Richard Reilly here today to have these great conversations and hear the stories about what they've done in their career over the years and help us out in our pop culture world. And so remember, kids, pop culture, it's all around you. It influences every single aspect of our lives. So be sure to come back next week because we'll have your fix waiting right here for you on Pop Culture Addicts. Thanks again, Richard. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at pcapodshow at gmail.com.